0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness, Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. We're going strong here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Coming up at 430, Chuck Smith, former NFL defensive end, played in Atlanta. 58 and a half career sacks. He was at the Vaughn Miller Pass Rush Summit over the weekend on Saturday. And uh, he was actually one of the speakers there, so... Uh, We're going to kind of pick his brain coming up at 4.30 about what was going on, how big it is for Von Miller to have that summit each and every year like he does. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, among others, were there. Chandler Jones and Max were both giving some of their techniques and some of their tips to the other guys that were there. I thought that that was big. I mean, Max hasn't been in the league that long, and he's already a speaker at a summit, right? I mean, that just kind of shows you the respect that one Max Crosby has around the league right now, and that he's uh, he's able to be in attendance and not only be there to learn, but also to help teach others that are coming up and uh, giving a little bit of tricks of the trade away. And it was so funny, I heard earlier this morning, uh, Brian Baldinger was on the morning tailgate with uh, Clay Baker, Vinnie Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang. And I remember Heidi asking uh, Baldy about, hey, uh, should Max be giving away some of his tricks and, and and his techniques to these other guys across the league? And Baldy said, I wouldn't, but I understand why he does. <laughs> Baldy said, I wouldn't do it, but uh, hey, you know, this is, what, this is what Max Crosby does, and he's, he's got the respect around the league. And, and not only that, uh, he might be telling them his techniques, but they still have to find a way to stop it. You know, these uh, offensive linemen, they still have to find a way to stop it. You may know that it's coming, but you don't know where it's coming from and when it's going to hit, and uh, it's very hard to stop. But uh, Max Crosby, he's a guy that's very well-respected around the league so we'll talk to chuck smith coming up at 4:30. but now as promised my guy daryl guru johnson from 95 7 the game in the yay area joins us as the warriors tied up the series at one guru and i'll tell you man after they let that game one slip away i was a little concerned with what the bounce back was going to look like but uh they played a hell of a game and steph got a little bit of uh, help from uh, jordan Poole. the pool party was there uh what was your thoughts man What was your biggest takeaways from game two You know what? The biggest
1: takeaway, always good to talk to you, Q, is I really thought the Celtics coming in like in the more physical team, I did not see that coming. I'd heard about it. I've been watching Boston. But I hadn't seen the Warrior team face that, even in the Memphis series. So it was bigger than basketball to me after watching Boston come get game one. But to see 11 seconds into game two, Draymond Green with the ferociousness, The tenacity to tie up Al Horford and meet that Boston intensity—they basically Boston, Boston. Boston—and it was led by Draymond, but all the other Warrior players, and get this, Q, including Steph, got in on it. And that game—it was a—they stopped the fight. You're in Vegas. It was (laughs) a TKO before the fourth quarter. So that's what shocked me—that the Warriors. The pretty boys, the motion offense, the back cuts, the fact that they out just physical Boston shocked me, and here we are 1-1.
0: Yeah, you know, and you bring up a great point. Of course, everyone's talking about Draymond a couple days later, talking about he should have been ejected, this, that, and the other, and he may be talking a little bit too much in the media, but I love it, Guru. I love the way that he sets the tone. And look, on the other side, they have Marcus Smart, and I feel like he's the same guy. He sets the tone for the Celtics. How do you think this Game 3 matchup's going to go, in particular between those two guys? You know what?
1: I'm not a big wrestling fan, but I do understand the world and all the grown men out there that like it. We like entertainment, right? But I'm like, it ain't real. But the reason I bring that up is I'm kind of bothered. I'm a purist. I want to watch these two teams tango. But now that Jalen Brown, who I love and respect, the Celtics fans, social media, they're making so much about the Celtics, not just getting hit upside the head, but they felt like Draymond should have got run. And then to hear Jabby's, uh, the referee, the official jab on the – On the broadcast, talk about oh, we take into account who and where the players at. In just how I took it, in regard to technicals and and reputations, that bothered me to make me think we got a we got a wrestling type feel. So (laughs) I don't know what to expect and how they're going to call this game uh, in Beantown on Wednesday. But I'll tell you this: as great as Marcus Smart was, Al Horford and White. They were phenomenal game one. They were nowhere to be found. So kudos to the Warriors. But, I just don't see just those guys alone, that trio being that quiet in Boston, and this is the part I hate in unsettling. I think the 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 Zebras are going to give the Celtics the better whistle because I will admit, and I'm from the Bay Area, the Warriors got a kind whistle early on. And I can make the case set the tone. So I think Boston is fed up with the Draymond stuff and his antics and words. And with the officials, like a margarita, good margarita, it's got a good blend. I think Boston has the advantage.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Daryl Guru Johnson right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, you know, I was kind of thinking the same thing, and there's a lot of Warrior fans I know personally that think that, oh, man, it's going to be a wrap. They got their mojo back. They're going to go win this. I'm concerned about this series. I really am because Boston is a damn good team, in my opinion, and uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. Share the same thoughts. When they go back to Boston, man, they're going to get a lot of those those whistles that the Warriors were able to get in the Bay. So uh, do you think that Draymond, especially with what he's talking about, when he's saying that he gets preferential treatment, do you think he may be doing more more damage than good?
1: You know what? That's that, that's a great question. And at the end of the day, right now, I think for last night per se, it was advantage Warriors. But moving forward, Q, and why I'm a bit nervous, I think he's playing into Boston's hands because mm-hmm. now the next eight quarters are going to be played in Boston. That crowd and Q. I don't want to interview you, and I appreciate the time. I should have got tossed last night. I thought I was, uh, you know, and I'm a Drake fan, but the basketball connoisseur in me was was a bit perplexed that the Rams let him cross the line. And he knew that and took advantage of it. But what if that changes Wednesday and he's thrown out a game? We've seen this in 16 different circumstances. Really? I don't know. But if he leaves his team out there without his services, and the Warriors go down in the series, that would really bother me. And I would, I would say, "Hey, Dre, was that worth it?" So I, I wish we'd have more quiet on the set
2: from Dre, but that's just <laughs> not who he is.
0: Right, no doubt about it. Go ahead, Demond, you got one for him.
2: Alright Guru, first off, I'm a professional wrestler myself, so the <laughs> shot at wrestling, the my, you know what I love to do, unnecessary, the shot at wrestling, but also <laughs> my actual uh, question for you, now part of the reason Boston didn't win last night is because they didn't make half of their threes as they did in game one, how much of a yeah. factor did Gary Payton II coming back and providing that defensive spark help the Warriors? You know what? It, it, it was big. He played 25 strong minutes, no equal
1: dollars. So I, I, I can take nothing away from, from Gary Payton in second. That was a big deal. But when you look at the box score, if I'm correct, both teams shot uh, 40%, 17 to 37 from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be 15. Don't quote me, but they were both the same. So everybody made a big deal about the Warriors making 21 3 Uh, Boston making 21 threes game one. You know what, Boston made 19, but he helped them, and he will continue to help suffocate Jalen Brown and and uh, Tatum. And I gotta say this about Tatum, I had him at the table a superstar. You seen KD? You helped Steady Kyrie, uh, Giannis coming downhill night in, night out, and Butler playing 48 minutes, but he has Steph Curry in the post, and he's in triple threat position, and. He's a Kobe lover like we all are. His game and offensive repertoire to me was so disappointing mm-hmm. because he was settling for the jumper. And if that's, if that's the Tatum we're going to continue to see, then Boston's in trouble, especially now with the services of Gary Payton. Second to go on him. Uh, Jalen Brown, who's spectacular.
0: Right, absolutely. I, I I saw that as well. And when he had uh, he had Steph Curry in that that vulnerable position, didn't take advantage. Man. It blew my mind, <laughs> man. I was like, wait a minute, what is he doing? I wasn't mad that he didn't he didn't go and wreck him, but I was like, man, that that's that's a that's a kill mode right there. So uh, that blew my mind. Let me ask you this, Guru: How many games can the Warriors win with Clay Thompson being in a slump like he is right now?
1: Now that's the million dollar question. So I'll be honest with you all. Was Warriors in seven, and that was if Clay was 25 point or 30 point Clay. Give me three games in this series that I think is going seven. But as great as Steph Curry's been, nine of 21 last night, um, five of 12 from three, if I'm the Celtics, I take that. I just don't think the Warriors could win without uh, a Clay Thompson eruption game. And through two games, I know it's only two, we haven't seen that. And from a physical and science standpoint, Clay Thompson passed all the tests, but give the Celtics and, that, and their lane credit. But, guys, if, if Curry doesn't get that Clay that we're used to, I got to say Boston's going to win this series. I, ju- I just feel that.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Seeing. Now that Steph, like, when you say Clay's, he's been slumping. We all see that. But Steph, he's, he's averaging 30 points, 34 in the first game, 29 in the second. If he wins this series MVP, he wins finals MVP does it do anything to add to his legacy to you or does it not change anything at all? Oh, that's that that's the million dollar question
1: because depending on where I'm at in my life and who I'm talking to, some people close their ears with two hands. Curry's already made. This won't help him. But, you know what, when I think of the greats, Tom Brady, the Jordans, even the Kobes, the Montanas, the rices they all have that prestigious trophy that they were the best in a series. I can make the argument Curry should already have this. We got to interview him a couple months ago at the facility. I looked him in the face and said, do you hear the noise? And he said he hears everything. So to answer your question, this would Hmm. be a big deal. Because if somehow the Warriors win the title and he doesn't get this elusive trophy, I know it's a team game, but the way our world is now and social media, who's the GOAT, this and that, it would hurt his uh, legacy. So he's already out in the lead. They just got to bring it home, and Steph will get what I think he should have already had. But that will quiet everything up. And then he'll be, if I'm correct, in a select company, he'll be the seventh um, NBA player to have four rings and two MVPs in the NBA. And I believe it was Wilt, Michael, Duncan, uh, Magic, Kareem, and uh, I am forgetting one more, but if he could go in that group, Uh, that would be, that would say it all. And I, and I encourage a good guy, he'll never say he's chasing it, but the people want it for him.
0: Yeah. I want it for him. I'll tell you this. And, again, we're talking with Daryl nice Guru job. Johnson, 95.7 The Game, does a fantastic job. And, I, I look, you do sports radio every day. I've been doing it every single day. And I've been on shows <laughs> with cats that say that Curry's first, uh, two rings with KD are tainted and they don't count. And I'm just, like, banging my head against the wall because it just blows my mind how people always want to take something from him because KD decided to join with the, with the, the, the Warriors and, and go and win a couple rings that way. And, uh, you know – and, and then I'm seeing Guru, people say that he has to win the MVP. Then he goes out and balls out in the first two games. And, and then I hear people nationally saying, oh, but uh, he's doing too much. He's doing too much. He needs to use more of his teammates. Like, he's damned if he do, it, he's damned if he don't.
1: And that's the, that is so great. And, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And I'll say this. The best basketball series I've ever watched, nobody asked, I'll share, is 2016 Thunder versus Warriors, so when KD came to join the team that beat him on the 3-1 collapse, I threw up. I hated it. But let's be real. Put the cards on the table. Kevin Durant needed Steph Curry in this culture to be a champ. The Warriors and Steph Curry already had a ring predicated on Curry being the big dog. They should have had two rings. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that, it bothers me. But, again, Curry is so selfless, man. And I mean this. He allowed KD to come to town and be a champion and get those finals MVPs, but if Curry can do it at this age on what I call the back nine without Kevin Durant, what could the Jackals then say? (laughs) Q, this would be the one to just shut them all up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'd be the cherry on top. No doubt about it, my man. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. It was a nice bounce back game for the Dubs. Uh how about Jordan Poole, man? How about the performance he had, and especially hitting that that one right in, right before the right before the uh quarter ended and just knocking that down or halftime whenever it was, but he knocked that thing down. Uh that was pretty impressive. What do you think about Poole?
1: You know what? I said Poole has a check waiting on him in the summer and the offseason with with a, a blank check cuz he's about to be a superstar i said it many a days, and I mean it. But i got to be honest, Q, he had a good game. But if I see him get his shot rejected, rejected again <laughs> right. and lying on the floor, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's got to go to the lab. I know he's young and add that weight like Curry did. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take anything from him, but he hasn't really popped this series. And all the triple, 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 that ain't working against this Boston defense. So to be honest, through two games, and you got to say yesterday was a bit of a positive after game one, and he's had some duds against Denver and Memphis. I think so highly of them that I'm worried that they've kind of shown, hey, it's late Jordan Poole's kryptonite. So I need him to to get some assist and, and play make, but kind of slow it down. I know he's young, so I'm worried about Poole because, like Clay, if Curry doesn't get help from either one of those dudes, then this is just a matter of time before Boston gets this trophy.
0: Right, absolutely. Hey, man, I agree with you 100%. That's why we have you on, man. I uh, love to hear your breakdowns. I know you're covering it like a glove right there with 95 7 the game. Guru, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, my man. Keep doing your thing. Appreciate you.
1: Hey, all love to both of you. Tell my man, uh, Junkyard Dog, I was a big fan. So <laughs> I, I do, you know, I like white food with the rest
0: <laughs> Right on, <Thank> Guru. You. <laughs> later. There he goes. Daryl Guru Johnson. Demond, you are now the modern day Junkyard Dog, according to Guru. How about that? You got a new nickname. He said that, and I was thinking, I was like, who are he talking about? He talking about you, talking he ain't talking about, about me. me. He ain't talking about me. I'm not the wrestling guy, even though Junkyard Dog was one of my favorites back in the day, before I realized that wrestling was fake, but uh yeah, it is what it is, but... <laughs> Junkyard, demand Junkyard Dog. That's where instead of the boss, you're now the Junkyard Dog. 419 is the time we'll come back, take your calls and texts and prepare ourselves for Chuck Smith, the sack master. He uh he has he was at the the Pass Rush Summit of Vaughn Miller's. He'll talk all about that. That's coming up at 4:30. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey. Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness.
2: Unnecessary roughness.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got former NFL player Chuck Smith joining the show in a matter of minutes, about 4.30. Dr. Rush. He was part of Von Miller's Pass Rush Summit on Saturday. You can go to ChuckSmithTraining.com. He's got his website. He teaches. Teaches Pass Rushers. Like that's his passion. It's funny. I had reached out to... I call him Coach Smith. I had reached out to him uh, a few months back. He was on Twitter talking about Max Crosby, and he tweeted out a couple of different things about Max Crosby. So I was going back and forth uh, you know, talking to him about about Crosby and just how his his game has has evolved and continued to grow. And we always said that we were going to get together and he was going to you know hop on the show with us at some point. And we had just never worked out a time. And then all of a sudden, for him to be at Von Miller's uh, pass rush summit over the weekend right here in Vegas, uh, it was a great time. So uh, he's going to join the show coming up at 4:30. We'll talk about the summit. We'll talk about Max Crosby and Chandler Jones both being in attendance. How big that is! How big that is to have guys like Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Cam Jordan. You know, Chandler Jones obviously, uh guys that, that are been there, done that. Von Miller and Demarcus Ware are Hall of Famers. Chandler Jones will be a Hall of Famer. You know, Max Crosby, he wants to be a Hall of Famer, but all these guys are in attendance and they're all kind of giving uh teaching each other techniques of uh you know what they do and how they continue to evolve as players. And you know, we talk about teams evolving all the time. Well players have to continue to evolve and and and, uh, you know, reestablish themselves. And what worked year one is not going to work year two or three. And what worked in year two or three is not going to work in year four and five. And so you just got to continue to evolve. And so I think pass rush summits like what Vaughn Miller had over the weekend, this is, I believe, his sixth one he's had. Uh, these, these are big for these players to be in attendance. And it was cool to see that uh, Max and Chandler Jones was there and uh, uh, Bowers was there and Pico were there uh, representing the Raiders. I just think that that's really cool that these guys are going out and seeking and looking for extra knowledge, so we'll talk to uh, Coach Smith coming up at 4:30. Had a couple text messages I wanted to get to real quick. Salmon Ash text line six nine one eight seven keyword RNR. Geese mode said, "Thank you for having the legend, the legend Lester Hayes on cue." Hearing him pass on this story is an insight of the Raiders' past greatness. Is the psychological stimuli I needed to power me through the week? Let's go seven days a week. Greatness don't sleep. Let's go. Raiders. That's from Geese Mode. And, you know, it's so funny, man, as I was sitting here talking to Lester Hayes and he's talking about, you know, working seven days a week and continuing to grind and continuing to get better and better. And, you know, you don't become great unless unless you really are working on your craft and everything. And I, I always like to try to relate uh, what, what I hear from, from people that we interview or I just run across in everyday life. I always try to relate it to my own life and see, you know, what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. And it's just... It's 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 so funny to hear him saying that you can't take any days off. You can't take any days off, and then I go back and I look at the calendar. I was like, well, hell, I ain't had a day off since vacation. And and then the wife <laughs> she reminds me of that. <laughs> hey, you know you haven't had a day off since uh, we came back from vacation. Yeah, well, that's why we went on vacation. I gave you the I gave you those seven days only so you knew that by the time I got back it was grind time. And so uh, that's what I continue to 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 power home that hey man, uh, you know you, you you don't you don't dominate anything. If you're not if you're not grinding. So I I try to do that as well. And it was funny. And you'll hear it on tomorrow's show when I had an opportunity to talk to Mike Haynes and I asked him about being great. He had such a good answer on what it means to be great and how he achieved greatness, something that I definitely cannot wait to point out coming up tomorrow when you hear that conversation that I had with the Hall of Famer, Mike Haynes. And it's always great to catch up with him, and I feel like I always learn something from him as well. Start, uh, starting tomorrow, the Raiders will have mandatory minicamp. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We'll be out here for all three days. So I was telling Damon in the commercial break, I'm pretty much going to live here for the next uh, three or four days. You know, I mean, here today uh, for media day that kind of kicks off the summer, knowing that, hey, there's going to be some football activities going on and then mandatory minicamp the next three days and then – one more set of OTAs, and then they're going to shut it down for a while, and then obviously come back with training camp, and that's when it goes full throttle, hair on fire, let's go. You know, get ready for what happens. The the 90-man roster turns into the 53-man roster, turns into the opening day roster, turns into real season games, then we're back. So that's, that's something to look forward to. But, yeah, for the next – uh, three or four days. Uh, probably won't see any part of the the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'll probably be either here or at the home studio just because of the time. So uh, there's a lot to like about what's going to be going on. It's going to be a very very busy week, but I would have it no other way. So pretty excited about that. Uh, Vegas Pete hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword RNR. Uh, Vinny famously says, "Cap space money." isn't the same as having available cash to spend. The fact that the Raiders aren't picking up guys tells me that they may use their funds to extend. Um, that's that's a, a good point. And uh, Vinny's spot on about that. Salary cap space and, and available cash are not the same thing. They're not created equal. Uh, What I'll say is, when it comes to them picking up players, I think that they're gonna evaluate, especially the next three days with mandatory minicamp, I think they're gonna evaluate and see what they have, and then they're gonna make some decisions. As I said before, they don't rush into things, and that's what I can like and appreciate about the new regime. Now, without further ado, let's go back out to the Raider Nation hotline and bring in our guy, Chuck Smith, former NFLer, former edge rusher, has 58 and a half career sacks, now he coaches the art of sacks. And uh, and Coach, I appreciate you uh, jumping on with. With us this afternoon, you were at Von Miller's Pass Rush Summit on Saturday, where Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and many others were in attendance. How big is that that th- th- this many pass rushers and great pass rushers like Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, and, m- and many others all can gather and teach each other techniques?
3: I think it's big. I think it's, uh, you know, something that really is part of the culture now of pass rush guys really just sharing what they know. And I just think it's big when you see the camaraderie and a lot of it, the mentorship that the older guys show, the younger guys, and it's big. It was the first of its kind. And years ago, there were a lot of people on radio shows and TV shows that thought it was a bad idea. Now, you know, there's old lines and there's tight end summits. So I just think it's uh, really, it's uh, you know, it's part of Vaughn's legacy now. He created something that uh, no one else ever thought of.
0: And how important is it for these guys that are edge rushers that are really good at what they do mm-hmm. to continue to develop their technique? Because what worked year one is not going to work in year three mm-hmm. or vice versa, you know, or uh, for, so on and so forth.
3: Yeah. Well, it'll work if you master in year three, if you master
0: to <laughs> get it done in year one.
3: But it's about continued development. The ball's coming out fast, so you just have to develop. There are new, more explosive moves being developed from the last. I don't know, 10 years, you know, the ghost move's been developed by Vaughn, cross Shop, being used by everyone that was invented by O.C. Yuri in 2006. And I just think it's that guys are realizing now the importance of it. You know, quarterbacks are number one. And as you saw what happened today, defensive uh, linemen are right, number two, mm-hmm. pass rushers. And that's why Aaron Donald commands the money that he received today. So I think you know, the old days of defensive linemen just being big guys that just run around and stop the run. Now it's uh, it's about pass rush and uh, it's the second most important skill next to a quarterback. And that's why you'll see more importance put on it at all levels.
0: Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, both in attendance, both representing the Raiders. How much have you seen yeah. Max Crosby's game grow from when he entered the fourth round pick to where he is right now?
3: Well, he's really come a long ways. And Max is a a humble, hardworking guy. And um, he's trained. He's trained really hard. And, you know, he learned and mastered the Redfield spin, outside spin at the Von Miller Pass Rush Summit. We taught that to him last year. So Max has continued to develop. His first year he used a lot of side scissors and a lot of bull rush. Now he's developed a Bluefield spin, which is to the inside, Redfield to the outside. He's one of the most uh, prolific spinners in the game. But, yeah, when you look at him, he, you know, part of his DNA is tough. He wants to. And when Max was in college, you know, when we first our relationship first started when he was in college, he he t- tweeted me some stuff and said he's going to be the, the chosen one. Hmm. You know, and he was just at a small school. So ever since then, man, we've been you know vibing together as well as pass rush as well as we fellowship. You know, and over the years, just getting to know each other. You know, now we're really really
0: close. Talking right now with Chuck Smith, former NFL edge rusher, uh, Doctor Rush at Chuck Smith NFL on Twitter here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Last year, Max had Unique and Gakway, and it looked like he really pushed and helped him develop. This year, he has Chandler Jones. How big is that to, for him to have those two guys back to back years as as and edge rushers?
3: Well, I think it's pretty big. I think um, if you look at what, so one thing I'll just say about that. Max had 10 sacks before Yannick even got on campus now. true, true. So Yannick wasn't even in the city, so I mean, Max has already proven that he's a 10-sack guy. Yannick was just an addition from that standpoint. Now, it's always better when you've got two guys competing for sacks, but whether Yannick's there or not, Max is still going to be doing what he's doing. So, but I definitely think him having Chandler Jones being there, and this is a different kind of bookend because he's got a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. He's been with the, the Cardinals, he's been with the Patriots, and when you look at him, and as I was around him this weekend for the first time, because I didn't know Chandler until this weekend, just I knew his reputation and his, you know, production and skill he's a, the, the, a leader, like and this kind of reminds me a little bit, like Von Miller had already had a dominant career then DeMarcus Ware came and it was a like a brother type of relationship, and he gave him things that you know that you just that adds to your greatness, and I think Chandler Jones can also enhance Max by some of the other things that necessarily aren't the skilled moves. I think Max is you know continuously wanting to learn, but I think him and Chandler being the, how they vibe, being more brothers like and learning that way a little different than you know him and Yannick, where Yannick was just you know he's just on the team, he's just the other guy. But I think these guys, I see their bond, the time they spend together. So it reminds me of DeMarcus Ware when he came to Denver and helped Bond take it to another level. So that's why I think Max and Chandler are going to have that opportunity to be, I think, the best pair in the league.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, when DeMarcus Ware ended up in Denver, they found a way to win a ring together, right? <laughs> so that's, that's, yep. uh, so that's what it
3: is. Th- it's the Raiders the to get a ring. So hopefully they goes <laughs> back to big.
0: Right, right, no, no doubt about that. And uh, I wanted to ask you just as far as is what you've seen in, in, in the league and you see all these pass rushers continue to develop, you've seen them, again, yeah. evolve. We mentioned that before. Uh, how much do you think they can credit to what they're learning from their, their, their fraternity that is edge rushers around the league with, with summits like this?
3: Well, I think one thing that's not talked about enough, the evolution of the high-performance-skilled trainers. Mm. Is that that's kind of the middleman? So a lot of these guys, especially in this generation, like the Max's age and some of these guys. I'm sure Chandler. I mean, these guys when the when the when you when the cheering stops, these dudes are in the gym not just lifting and doing nutrition, not just running. They're past rushing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think you know the evolution of camps like this is just. This is just one day. I mean, you know, these guys rushing. Every day, they're doing lift, they're doing speed and agility, but they're a, a generation of superstar skilled trainers that now are evolving around the country. I had six of the top trainers at the summit from St. Louis, Coach Poe from St. Louis, uh, Sack Sensei from Miami. Uh, you know, um, um, you know, I uh, had all these guys there, man. Coach Tuck from Dallas. These are the guys who train the number one picks. Mm. These guys are as, as big in these guys in the, the live. Of the players as their coaches, you know players. They, we we talk to these guys. I talked to Max during the season. So the point being, if he ever needs uh, a different eye of looking at something or breaking down film, or just even to conversate, I'm talking to him. Von Miller, I'm talking to him during last year during their Super Bowl run. You know, I, I deal with Aaron Donald. I'll send Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward video breakdowns. So there's resources now that are way developed outside of just them coming to summits. Because that's something that people, you know, they will be talking about it pretty soon as they start, you know, fans and people in the media really understand there's a cog man, that's making it go. It's kind of like what happened with the NBA about really 20 years ago where they got shooting coaches and dribbling coaches and they started, you know, having an impact on guys and it's showing up. And I think now with summits like this, with their training, I think the pass rushers are going to keep getting better, and they're starting at a young age, too. So those guys are training. I mean, this year, there are guys in the draft that came out, like the number one pick, you know, uh, different guys, Jermaine Johnson, uh, Jordan Davis, you know, those are like guys that I trained in high school. Mm. So guess what now? So now there's a generation that are learning from guys like me. So, you know, we work in conjunction, you know, with the player, and they, you know, work with their position coaches. But we do a lot more pass rushing in the offseason than they do during the season.
2: Yeah, you mentioned about the pass rushing, working on moves, teaching Max that inside spin move. Do you guys, when you were watching and breaking down film this past weekend, do you look at certain techniques that certain offensive linemen do and how to counteract that?
3: Yeah, that was one of the big topics is that teaching guys how, what angles to take, what approach when you're rushing and you know, Max has certain different techniques that he uses to have that work in conjunction with the call from the defensive coordinator. So when he spins outside he makes it look like they're running an inside two man game. And that's his thing. You know, but but also looking at the protection. Certain protections work against different you know, you have to use different moves against certain protections. And I just think, you know, Max has mastered playing with his both ha- different hands down on the ground, left hand, right hand. You can stand, you can go outside, you can do an array of moves. But definitely, it's uh, one of those things with breaking down films. It- it's very important. But really, really, here's one thing I'll say you know, yeah, people break down film, but the facts remain, and this is something that your, your listeners may- might be hearing from the first time. The great rushers, there- there's not really much adjustment you make when you're a great rusher. You don't really, you, you got multiple moves, but the offensive, the pass rusher controls what happens. So Max is going to win or lose with this spin. Chandler's going to win or lose with his cross chop and his long arm. The great rushers like Reggie White, whether it's Howie Long, they do the same rushes over and over, and they force the offensive linemen to have to stop them. So really pass rush study and breaking down film on, you, you, you break down film on protection, but the individual blocks, you're going to use your moves. You're going to win die with them. So, really, the misconception is, and it's been really for the history of the game, but when you really look at it the way I see it and the way it's taught and the way these guys understand, Max going in the game with his, with his best rushes. Chandler, Yannick, Yannick's not going to stop cross-chopping. Mm-hmm. He does the same move. You know what I mean? Reggie White's not going to stop Rip humping. Bonds going to spin. Aaron Donald does a cross-chop. So, when, I mean, he does it over and over and over, and it's up for the offensive linemen. So, guys... They're going to use their moves no matter what. I don't care who they go. Aaron Donald changing. Max not changing. You win, you lose. But, you know, you're going to use the what you've got, and they're going to keep going and going and going.
0: That's an awesome breakdown. I mean, it really is. And like you said, uh, listeners are probably just hearing that for the first time. I know I'm just hearing that yeah. for the first time, so I could really appreciate that. Again, we're talking with Chuck Smith, Dr. Rush, here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation, Radio 920. Before I let you go, I have to ask, mm-hmm. teaching past Rush is my passion. This is your tweet that you have out. Seeing my client's success is a blessing. What gave you that passion? What made you want to be the Dr. Rush, the guy that could teach these guys to take their game to the next level?
3: Well, in the early 80s, I always loved Pass Rush. In 1978, I watched the Super Bowl. I think it was with Jack Youngblood. It was either 78 or 79, played the Steelers. And, they, you know, they would always talk about the fearsome force and the D-lines from the Steelers. And that's when I fell in love with uh, Pass Rush. So when I was, like, in the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I would love LT. He was the first person to get Mike. I would emulate him. People thought I was crazy for really liking Pass Rush like that. And um, yeah. so... I always learned it, and, um, you know, go throughout the years, I was a good pass rusher, but I kept mm-hmm. studying it, you know, then in high school, I was all about pass rush, and again, people were like, man, that's all you care about, and so, I get to college, I play for a great, you know, at a Tennessee, and we had great pass rushers, um, I had a chance to, you know, get drafted, and then, so I went throughout the NFL, and I, you know, played my years, and then, I was sitting at home, and, uh, Charlotte I was on injured reserve finishing spent my last year in Carolina and I was watching inside the NFL but I was already you know had trained pass rushes in my in the offseason when I was a player so I was watching inside the NFL and they were talking about a quarterback coach and they said wow there's a new trend going on where NFL quarterbacks are going to outsourcing and working with guys outside of their coaches and I was sitting on the couch and my wife was like babe that's what you're doing i said yeah and then you know no one had ever did what i'm doing for pay and i thought i said well if the number one position is quarterback the number two has to be getting to the quarterback and i was off and running in 2001 you uh, know got incorporated and we got uh, a llc in 2002 and i started rolling you know and uh you know been going ever since
0: I love it. I love it. That's a great story right there. ChuckSmithTraining.com, that's the website. Chuck Smith, 58-and-a-half career sacks, the Falcons in, the, in, in Carolina played with and of doing a great job with uh, guys like Max Crosby and many others across the NFL. Hey, Thank you so much for your time. That was great breakdown, stuff that I had never heard before. We really do appreciate you.
3: I appreciate it, guys. Anytime.
0: All right, there he goes, Chuck Smith, Dr. Rush, on Twitter at Chuck Smith NFL. And when I say that there's things that he just broke down that I had never heard, he said things that I had never heard, and I definitely appreciate that, and hopefully, Raider Nation, you did as well. 4.44 is the time. We'll come back. Show Unnecessary Roughness live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back. Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness, Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
2: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy Q. Even when you give us an extra hour, the show goes by fast and furious. I remember sitting down here just a couple hours ago, sitting across from Raiders second year safety, Trayvon Merrick, and now I'm looking up at the clock realizing, damn, show's almost over. Fast and Furious left a lot on the table, though. So we got a lot to get to on tomorrow's show, which is a good thing. Uh, We'll have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll join us, as he always does on Tuesdays. Uh, Ed Graney from. Review Journal. He should be joining us tomorrow. We have Mike Haynes, the conversation that I had with him on Saturday. You'll hear that conversation tomorrow. Uh, Paloma Villacana. I believe she'll be a part of the show as well, talking some aces who just picked up another victory. Kelsey Plum, Western Conference Player of the Week. Uh, man, I'll tell you, there's a lot to get to. A lot Don't to say like. another name. <laughs> Tamon's like, damn it, no, stop it. Cut it out, Q, cut it out. No, nah, man, this is what we do. Uh, I love it, man. Going three hours long, three hours strong is is fantastic. This is my happy place. I love being on the air. Oh, and by the way, mandatory minicamp is going on tomorrow as well. So of course, we'll have some audio from coaches, players, all that good stuff. So uh, when you think that, hey, it's going to start slowing down, they're not going to have as much to talk about. No, that's when we ramp things up and we go full throttle, full steam ahead. Uh, So very excited about all the opportunities that we have moving forward and everything that we'll be doing here at Raider Nation Radio 920. Make sure you wake up up at the morning tailgate, Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, matter of fact, JT the Brick, he's now officially on vacation, so Harry Ruiz will be in uh, for the rest of the week, and then Monday and Tuesday are next week as well. And, of course, myself and DeMond will hold it down 2 to 5 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I, I'm excited about so much, man. There's so many things to get excited and fired up about. And, uh, you know, just just knowing that the, that the team is continuing to evolve you know, we get to talk to so many different people, and uh, talking to Trayvon Merrick to start the show was really fun. That was a lot of fun, and, and you could almost tell how much more comfortable he is already just in year two, and he hasn't even got to training camp yet. But you just could tell when a guy comes in as a rookie, or, or someone comes in and they're new and they, they're trying to feel them their way out and, and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on around them, their surroundings, until the point where you see, okay, this dude. It, absolutely understands the surroundings, you know, and exactly what is going on. Of course, he's, you know, got a, a new defensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, two years in the league and, and two different uh, defensive coordinators. But uh, he's a young guy. He's a guy that played in, in, uh, in, at TCU under Gary Patterson. And Gary Patterson had many different multiple looks as far as his defense goes. Had guys playing different different roles and, and you know, just having different uh, approaches. And so I think that Trayvon Merrick will be just fine. He's one of those uh, building blocks. One of the young building pieces that this Raiders team has, and and make no mistake about it, they have plenty. They have plenty of young pieces that uh, they could build around. And you know, on defense, you're looking at Nate Hobbs, you're looking at Trayvon Merrick, of course, you're looking at Max Crosby. You know, can Divine Diablo turn into a a a dude? You know, you saw a little bit of burn from him last year, and so if he can take that next step, that's a big that's a big time uh, player. Malcolm Kuntz, what's year two going to be for him? How is Patrick Graham going to use him? That's something that I'm interested to see. That's one of the, the next big questions I have. Matter of fact, I don't know what coach we'll talk to tomorrow. I really don't. I know so far in OTAs we've talked to uh, Frank Ocam, the defensive line coach. We talked to Carmen Brasillo last week, the uh, offensive line coach. We talked to uh, Coach, coach uh, McDaniels, the very first OTAs that we were available uh, to be at. That was uh, two weeks ago. I'll be interested to see when we talk to Patrick Graham. I kind of want to know what his thoughts are on, uh, on second-year guy Malcolm Kuntz because I think that that dude right there, I think he has a role. You know, and of course, we saw him in a very limited capacity in year one. But from the little that I saw, uh, I was pretty impressed. And I do think that he can he could really be a dude moving forward. So I'm interested to see what this year could possibly hold for Malcolm Kuntz. That's one of the guys that that I look at. Uh, let's see, Tyree Gillespie didn't get get to see him really have any burn his, his rookie year. So uh, he's going to obviously have to go out there and earn earn a earn a role this year. But, you know, he, he's got that opportunity. I mean, that's the thing about it especially this time of year, everyone's got an opportunity. That's why these voluntary OTAs, that's why guys are here. You know, I always always laugh because the NFL says they're voluntary and guys don't have to show up, so technically they don't. But I would always, I know if it was me, I would look at it like, yeah, this is voluntary and I don't really technically have to be there, but I think I better go. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those situations. It's kind of like when you have an opportunity to go and, and interview somebody or you get some kind of opportunity that is not always there, you should take advantage of it, even if you don't necessarily have to or it's not necessarily your job requirement. Too many people let opportunities go by. I'll tell you how, how I looked up when the draft was here in, in Vegas. I looked up and I looked around when all the NFL Network guys were available for media and how there wasn't a whole lot of us that was out there, it blew my mind, I just thought back to Texas when I used to have to drive and fly and go so far to be able to get any kind of uh, coverage to know that it was right in our backyard. I don't think enough people took advantage of it, but that's just me. Please believe here on Raider Nation Radio 920, we are always going to take advantage of any opportunity we have and uh, anytime we could bring you some more heat. So that's what we continue to do. So appreciate all the love, appreciate all the calls and texts throughout the course of the show. And of course, all the fantastic guests we had. Thank you to the Raiders for housing us today. Alexandra, Ray, Eddie, Will, Trayvon Merrick, Andre James and a host and a host of others, man, that that had us here today. We definitely appreciate you, Demond. Thanks for holding it down all day in the home studios, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow, two to five p.m. Unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio, nine twenty. I'll holler.